Welcome back to the podcast on everything. I'm your host, Dan Berlin. I have with me Peter Flood. You guys might remember him from a few podcasts in the past. Um, thank you, Peter, for joining us again. Today's episode is an Eagle special edition. Hurt starts, Wentz gone? Question mark. That might, <laughs> that might sound differently on the radio. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so. It sounded like excitement in your voice there, Dan. <laughs> um. We'll see. We'll see what the podcast entails. So let's get started on just the season in, in general. Your expectations so far as a team, how you think we're doing based on what you thought before. On the podcast for me, I said eight and eight. And I got to be honest, it was my buddy was like pushing me to get to the eight. So I gave him eight. I was thinking six. But I also wanted a rebuild before the year. So my expectations – were low, and they've they've been lower than <laughs> than what I thought. Uh, why don't you go over your expectations and how they've done? Well, my expectations were pretty high ahead of the Week One game against the Redskins. Two years in a row, that's been a pretty disheartening game. So hopefully, the NFL changes the schedule next year, so that doesn't have to happen again. But I thought we were, you know, a better team than our record reflected last year. These losing in the first round of the playoff thing. It's been a lot of fun. So I thought this year, you know, we finally draft some receivers. You know, I thought that there was all this talk about Alshon's health and the locker room and all that, but I thought that a lot of that was just talk and that he'd get his foot straight and be back sooner than he was. So who who really knows what's going on there? There's a whole podcast in that probably. But I was hoping that I was pretty skeptical about the Rager pick feeling a little bit better about that now since Jalen Hurts has been in the game. But uh, I thought that, you know, they drafted this guy in the first round. So, I mean, obviously he's not putting up Justin Jefferson numbers. So hindsight's twenty twenty. but I was like, well, they, they got to know what they're doing. They're pros, right? They do this for a living. So we got a receiver, brought Jason Peterson back. Not Sorry, uh, Jason Peters. <laughs> and brought him back. I thought the line was going to be solid again, even though he's kind of at the end of his career. I thought it would be a nice bridge year between some of these younger guys we have on the offensive line and the, the old guard. Uh, not the case at all. After the Redskins game, I was like, well, maybe we'll get a good draft pick. But then the rest of the NFC East has been pretty terrible, so they still keep putting the Eagles up there on these graphics for teams in the hunt, which I really wish they'd stop doing. I just want a good draft pick at this point. You know, another receiver, uh, all these mock drafts giving us this guy out of Alabama. I'd really enjoy that if that actually happened. So those are my current expectations. I want that monster wide receiver out of Alabama. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the the season now, and I, I was expecting by week six to be three and three, and then be like, all right, um, we'd be doing okay, but we were one in four then. Um, when we were one in four going into two games um, in the division, were you like, all right, we can turn this around and Carson would be better? Because then we'll go over Carson's numbers. But up to that point, we weren't doing too well. Like, did you think we we're actually going to turn around and crush it? No, never crush it. I was, I kept being afraid we would have another, my fear, and at, even at that point in time, my fear was that we'd be just good enough to win the NFC East 
screw our draft stock and lose in the first round of the playoffs in embarrassing fashion. <laughs> but the, I mean, I guess the good thing about the NFL is you could maybe we would win a playoff game, right? Like we almost won last year with lots of injuries and Carson gets the concussion and gets knocked out of that game. And then who knows mm-hmm. what would have happened, right? I think that was just last year. I've been trying to forget yeah. about that. But the uh, the week three game against the Bengals was if I had any hope after – I feel like going into that game, I had a little bit of hope again. You know, like the Rams game, for whatever reason, had given me, relative to the Redskins game, a little more hope. And then when we tied the Cincinnati Bengals, that's when I knew that I should officially give up any expectations for the season. <laughs> Uh, I was I was kind of thinking the same thing when we played the Bengals because we didn't go for the win. We went for the tie, which really made me dislike Doug a lot more than what I did from the previous year. Just by like, like, like what's the point of the tie? And then we win the next week, and now we're first in the division and week four, and we have one win. And I'm like – all right, I can see where getting that tie is a good thing, but also I don't want to make the playoffs being this terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and then, like you said, it'd be the first round out. Like, then we didn't learn anything from the previous year. Like, we didn't take a step forward. We just took a step back and didn't, couldn't improve. And couldn't even get draft picks to take that step forward. Yeah, I think the moment in which I was like, Honestly, kind of rooting for losses, but just <laughs> hoping Carson could turn it around was <clears throat> when we played the Giants and the Giants were terrible and we beat them by one point. And I saw some improvement from Carson. I was like, okay, let's just keep losing, but Carson looks good. And then the next week we played Dallas, who had <laughs> seven straight weeks of first half 20 points giving up. And we score seven. I'm like, all right, my expectations are back down. <laughs> um, what were your expectations from um, until the bye week of Carson? Um, seeing how rough the first two weeks were. I was always expecting him to turn it around. You know, the, even last season came on strong in the second half, right? And rallied back to sneak in the yeah. playoffs and that kind of stuff. One four straight. Yeah, so I was thinking that maybe we would see some of that again, and that I don't know how you go from playing at the level he played at in 2017 and 2018, and even 2019. Like if you look at those numbers to what was going on this year, uh, what I don't have, <clears throat> what I have pulled up right now doesn't have his his fumbles displayed per season, which. I'd like to see, but I don't know how you, you regress that much. You know, it's, it's definitely got to be psychological. I don't think that he, like, I don't think it's from the injury. He's played well post-injury. I think he has changed his game a little bit maybe, but I think that happens as you develop as a quarterback too, right? You start to rely on your arm more and your legs less, and just you get a better pocket presence, but – yeah, I kept thinking he was going to bounce back. Even now, there's a part of me that, that wants him to bounce back, whether that's with the Eagles or a different team. I certainly hope that he can turn his career around. 
Yeah. So I'm looking at the stats now, and the first three games, he was just awful. Eight sacks against the football team, two interceptions. Then the Rams, you know, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. And I was telling my buddy, all right, it looks like golf versus Wentz. It might be golf <laughs> as, like, the better five-year quarterback at this point. And then, you know, then he has sack after sack after sack. He's got three, three, five, and six against the Ravens. But he didn't give up any inter- interceptions against the Ravens. And I was like, okay, well, we just played some tough teams. He looked pretty good. Turns it around in the Giants. And I was like, okay, maybe he's got it figured out a little bit. And it just never, like, nothing happened from it. I'm look, like looking at the touchdowns. No game, he had three touchdown passes, which I think for a starting quarterback, you need to do at least one time in a season, right? <laughs> yeah, I would. that would be an interesting stat. I would be surprised if there was another quarterback who hadn't done that. Maybe yeah. maybe Cam Newton hasn't. I don't know because he gets all those red zone <laughs> run plays, but he might be the only guy. And Carson's yeah. those rushing touchdowns. You know, Cam's still getting that touchdown somehow. Yeah. So Carson's numbers weren't looking good at all this year. And um, we're basically like Jalen Hurts, like he's not ready. He's just getting a few plays here and there. And Wentz is on the, on the field. And the plays are like gadget plays that usually hurts the screws up. You know, like he's fall. I think he fumbled the first time he got the ball. Yeah, I think he did. Like an off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I was just like, all right, he's not ready. Like, at least, at least don't. <laughs> it was don't it was weeks before they let him throw the ball, right? Like, the first several games, so. he didn't even – I don't think they called a pass play, just those read option runs. Maybe there was a pass yeah. option on there, but if there was, it didn't happen. He did not throw until week five. Yeah. And that first – throws looked pretty good once they started coming out. They were pretty sparse, but decisive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, as we start going farther into the season, were you thinking we need to do something about Carson, like he's just not going to get it? I was. So, before, I mean, going into the Green Bay game, I was kind of in the camp that we owe Carson all this money. There's no way we're going away from Carson, you know? And it, it, the situation we're in now, like what, what happens at the end of the season? We still owe Carson all this money. Is, is does he really have trade value? You know, I think we just got to ride it out for the rest of the season. And I'm at this point just playing for draft picks. So Carson playing would help us with the, get that draft pick. <laughs> so that's where my head was at, which essentially amounts to, to tanking, which is not great for you know a locker room or an organization or a culture you're trying to build. But then. He had Carson had a lot of bad luck interceptions too. It felt like a lot of tip balls, a lot of balls that you know were probably inaccurate throws that went off people's hands that then you know get tipped up and are just easy interceptions for the defense. The the fumbles and just the missed throws are what really got me. Just missing wide open people. Uh, I think that I think there is a bad relationship, some bad blood between Carson and Alshon for whatever reason. I don't know. Like 
Alshon is in the twilight of his career at this point, but he's still just a big target. And Carson wants to throw the ball six feet above everybody's head anyway, so why would you not keep targeting the tallest guy on the field? You know, he's your best shot at catching those that are four to six feet over somebody's head. Yeah. So that never really made a lot of sense to me. But and and Carson's def and and Carson's defense, our team did not look good all season, and a lot. I think some of that has to go to Doug. Like his play calling is like what the hell? Just again, like at the end of the Bengals game, like what are you doing? Like go for the win. Like, you're zero and two. Like what's a tie going to do? You know what I mean? And Sanders was out. Alshon was hurt. Rager was hurt. Djack just played what three games? So in the twilight of his career, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't have any big targets to really rely on. But even so, this is the NFL, and in my opinion, you you still have to. You can't make excuses for your whole career. Like Sam Bradford can make excuses for his whole career, and people will be like, no. No, you had the chance, and you didn't perform when you had it. So that's kind of what I was thinking with Carson. I was like, yeah, your team sucks, but your sacks, looking at it now, it's like ridiculous. Eight, three, three, five, six, you know, like, and it's a lot of yards, and then there's the fumbles. I'm like, like, I can give you some excuses, but I can't give you a pass on everything every single week. So I was kind of on board of him finishing out the season, just because I don't think Hurts was ready, because it gave us our best chance of losing and getting better draft picks that Howie can screw up, <laughs> you know? And when week 14 came around, and I was like, all right, Hurts is starting. Click, that's just going to be awesome. And I was kind of under the impression that Chris Long, I heard, was, and that was seeing somebody's got to go out of these three. Um. How many how many times can Carson be be doing you know the things he does? How many times can we lose in a row with this team that we're supposed to be in the playoffs with? And how do we have zero players from <laughs> from the last five years that are like well known outside of Philadelphia that we drafted? Like the only one you could. That's a common name is Carson Wentz. And we've had some decent people, but not like standout people that the average fan is going to know. So, like, Chris Long was like, one of these three people has to go. It's either Howie, Doug, or Carson. And he thought Jeffrey Laurie, by having Hurt start, can start to figure out who was the one responsible. Like, and he said, if if Hertz comes out and it's terrible, it's not Carson. It's more Doug. And if Hertz comes out and he's absolutely killing it, all right, maybe it's Carson and <laughs> not Doug. And Carson just doesn't – just isn't what he was in 2017. Yeah. And then I was kind of like, you know what? That does make sense a little bit why you would throw Hertz in there. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think that – the NFL, more so than other sports like basketball, especially, it's about winning football games, you know? This tanking for Tua stuff, I mean, it's just not good for the fan base, and that's not going to fly in Philadelphia. You know, if, if there was any perception that 
I mean, we're all sitting here talking like we want them to tank, essentially, but we would be so pissed if we thought they were doing that. The whole fan base would be in an uproar. Like, the trust the process didn't work out so hot, right? There's still a lot of, uh, I think, animosity there. And if if people thought the Eagles were going to do that, the Philadelphia fans are, are a lot more intense about the Eagles than the Sixers. Yeah, I think with I think those are a little bit different because in the NFL, it seems like you can rebuild and tank, and it takes like a year, maybe your second year you're back in it. Like the turn, the change is so quickly from being a good team to a bad team and a bad team to a good team. Um, and I think that the draft quality between the first pick and the last pick, even though there's fewer rounds in the NBA, I feel like within a round, like first pick of the first round to last pick of the first round, there's a bigger difference than in the NFL, the first pick of the first round to the last pick of the first round. You know, and there's so many, I think, more you know, hidden gems, so to speak, in the NFL draft, like Tom Brady, for example. I think there's more examples of those in the NFL than the NBA, where it's more critical to have that very high draft pick if you're really trying to rebuild your franchise. And one guy has so much more impact on a basketball game than a football game. Oh yeah, and sometimes even if you're not in the like the top five, top six in the NBA, that player is an average player <laughs> or below average. When you yeah, they're at looking at a career high. as a role player if they stay in the league that long. Yeah, and when you look at the NFL, six and seven are still very good. Good you're players. Expecting, yeah, pro bowlers out of those guys. Yeah, so yeah, that, the trusted process with the Sixers, I could see would give Philadelphia. A salty taste. When, I think of yeah, I, I think opinions are pretty divided on whether that actually worked or not. You know. Yeah. Um, for me, if they would have listened to my gut, which was they were done in 2018, like they just didn't look the same in 2019, and we're gonna. They went nine and seven in 2019, but they were also like four and five, I think, at one point. Um, you know, they won the last four, so they were five and seven, which is awful. And at that point, I was like, yeah, we need to like unload some people, do it now. And then we went four straight. I'm like, okay, all right. But I still was like in the back of my mind, like just rebuild as best as you can right now, get some pieces, be bad for one year and be back again. And I wish they would have done that. They need to call me up after this podcast and put me on their staff. Offer you a job. Howie Roseman's up. Comes <laughs> Dan. Yeah, because this year it's a wash. We're not making the playoffs. And if we do, we're not doing anything. We could have oh, already yeah. had that year of rebuilding with young people and have been a much better place than like $60 million over the cap and still have three wins or four wins. We're going to have, you know, we're going to have four wins tanking. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No. The uh, the cap situation is definitely not good. I I think that in my mind, our lack of success or lack of success at the level I thought we should have had it the past couple of years was largely due in my mind to injury more so than anything else. And then going into this season, all this talk about getting younger and getting faster, I thought that that would kind of be some of the rebuild while still being competitive. Yeah. It didn't turn out that um, way. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to see what Washington looks like and the Giants look like. And it's like they're faster, they're younger. Um, yeah, they've got some 
some big pieces. I mean, I guess there's kind of some quarterback questions for both of those teams, but Saquon Barkley is out this year, right? So how much better would the Giants be with Saquon Barkley in there? I feel like their defense especially has looked resurgent in recent weeks. Antonio Gibson for the for the Redskins is looking like a good young player. He was propping up my fantasy team for a couple of weeks there before he got hurt, but definitely some promising things among the other also terrible teams of the NFC East. <laughs> so, um, Jalen Hurts, you start against the Saints. What are your expectations of Hurts going into that game? I was, against the Saints who are on I was nervous. <laughs> this, By the way, nine-game winning streak. Yeah, yeah, number one rated defense in the NFL, right? And this guy's first NFL start. I was like, really? This is the week that we're going to do this? We're just going to throw this guy out there, and now we're, you know, the Saints will eat him alive, and now we'll have two quarterbacks who don't have any confidence on the roster. <laughs> but obviously didn't go down that way. He looked He looked real good in the first half, and then things slowed down in the second half, but we held on just enough to win and like uh, just the whole team played better. I think that it's strange because Carson is still kind of young, but it seems like a lot of the younger guys on the team have really rallied around Jalen Hurts. I think that they you know, maybe overlapped in college at the same time, that kind of thing. So they saw him play or were watching tape of him play while he was in college and obviously was a very electric player with a impressive college career. I think that, I was not happy about the Jalen Hurts pick when it went down in the draft. I was scratching my head, but after seeing, you know, the end of the Packers game, we had a chance to to win the Packers game after Jalen got in there. And then uh, the way that he played and the whole team played against the Saints, I was like, I texted my dad and I was like, who is this football team and what have they done with the Eagles? Yeah, it was like yeah, a, they, a night and day, a totally different team out there across the board, offense and defense. Yeah, they look completely different. It looked like Doug knew what the hell he was doing. Although we do have to say we went for the fourth down ten times, like it, it seemed like. So we knew we had nothing to lose, and honestly, we wouldn't do that in a normal game. Like it was just yeah. Like, well, All right, rest, well, the rest of the season, we've got nothing to lose. Yeah, so like doing that probably won the game because we scored points on those extra drives. But a, a, a normal game, we're not going to get that. It's just I think they were just like, let's see what we what Hurts can do, and let's see if we can pull off a miracle and upset the Saints. <laughs> um, well, I think I'm I looking think at Doug the is stats. at his best when he stays aggressive. I think that some of his his problems is that maybe he started to second guess himself a little bit, like in the the Bengals game, not going for the win. And there's been some times where I, I thought in past years maybe he would have gone for a fourth and one or a situation like that, and he decided not to. I can't think of a specific example right now, but there have been, in addition to his total lack of wanting to run the ball, it seems like maybe he's taken his his foot off the gas and he started to second guess himself a little bit. I don't know if he's kind of worried about his job security too, but I think that he's at his best when he's aggressive and that's kind of who he is. That's his MO as a coach. And I think he's just got to stick to that. We're going to go over Jalen Hurts' stats versus Carson. And, um, what to do with Carson after this. And um, Jalen Hurts against the Saints, his quarterback rating was 83.6, which in comparison to Carson would be his third highest of the season. Um, 
Against the Giants, he had a 91. And against the Ravens, he had an 84. Those were back-to-back games. And then he tanked. So he had no QB ratings over 100 this year. Um, so I kind of comparison like that, that like Jalen Hurts in his first career start <laughs> is third and QB ratings on the season. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you expect from, from Jalen the rest of the season? Now, now since there's film out there, we also have to think <laughs> about, cause yeah. there's no film for the Saints to really prepare for besides college. Yeah, I think my expectations are still pretty low. I think that if Jalen's going to have any chance as the guy, if he does become the guy and Carson uh, fades into the background or goes to a different team or whatever may happen, that expectations have to stay realistic and tempered for Jalen for the rest of the season. Like He's still a rookie despite what happened with the Saints and what I think everyone would say was a huge success, at least as a football team, even though his numbers were – we're good enough. You know, I don't think that he was, he made some plays that were spectacular, but the whole performance all four quarters was not spectacular necessarily. It was above average, but didn't knock the socks off, so to speak. Yeah. Um, what I was impressed on is the 18 um, carries and the 106 yards he got. I think some of those carries he shouldn't have had, those are kind of, Dumb, like at the end, why is he carrying the ball? Give it to your running backs who clearly can handle balls better. And then we fumbled, and yep. it kind of made me nervous because I was texting my buddies like, man, I can't believe we beat him. And he's like, yo, shut the hell up. I'm like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay we just fumbled. <laughs> yeah, that fumble, yeah, I agree with that 100%. And not only are there shots like that, and that that fumble was just a spectacular defensive play, right? Like the replay, Jalen has this thing wrapped up with two hands, and this guy just like swings as hard as he can, like full wind-up punches this ball. Like I don't think anybody was holding on to that ball. But I think that he's taking a lot of hits. You know, you got you to gotta call plays like this guy's your quarterback, not like this guy's your running back, you know? And I think that the, the run game, I think, was a huge part, if not – the main reason for our offensive success was actually being able to run the ball. But that's, I think that has to be primarily through Miles Sanders. He's supposed to be a, a Pro Bowl caliber running back that we have that we give. I think he's had, what, 14, 15 carries or something on Sunday? Uh, I can't tell you, but I know he had an 82-yard <laughs> run. And besides that, he had 20 yards. Yeah. Yeah, he did not have a lot of carries. For, for a guy like that, for the Ezekiel Elliott's, for the Saquon Barkley's, for the big name running backs like that, he did not have a lot of carries. 14 carries for 115 yards with an 82-yard run. Yeah, I mean, you take the 82-yard run and he's yeah, kind of like a, non, a non-factor. Yeah. Um, I would like – yeah, I'd like to see Jalen's attempts go down for rushing. Like 18 is a lot to ask, and that can end up being a lot of hits over the course of an 18-game or an 18-week schedule with 16 games. Um, I just don't know. I just don't know if he's ready and he'll learn because you, I'm looking at Carson's. He gets about 5 to 10. Is that That's obviously not the bread and butter of Jalen. Jalen needs to be about 10, 15, maybe max at 15. So I hope he learns that before he gets hurt. 
Because if he gets hurt, then we're going right back to Carson. <laughs> you know, he's not getting traded, anything. Um, so, yeah, I think his numbers will probably be kind of similar, just maybe go down in rushing attempts. Because I think he'll get, he's got to get popped and realize he can't do that. <laughs> you know. Um, oh, yeah, I agree. Completion percentage uh, was still not great, 56.7. Which is kind of on par with a lot of what Carson was doing. Carson was, well, the Green Bay game, he was particularly bad when he came out 40% that game. But the rest of his games looks like he's right between, you know, 55 and 64.3 looks like his highest. So I guess he's right in that same range as, as Jalen, but that doesn't. Yeah. And that's some of the worst in the league. Doesn't seem great. Over, yeah. yeah, over the course of his season, that's pretty bad. Uh, you know, and maybe like that's a, have some games. Yeah, maybe that's a maybe that is a testament to the Saints' defense coming through and playing good defense. So I think things like that, we just need a bigger sample size from him to really see what's going on. But like I said earlier, he's done some good things, but he hasn't wowed necessarily. I've been wowed by specific plays and flashes that I've seen, but not by a whole a whole quarter. Even. Yeah. Maybe the first quarter of the Saints game, but certainly not the whole game. The second half I thought was pretty sluggish from our offense in general. We're going to do three scenarios as we wrap this up. Um, let's say Jalen comes out and he crushes it, you know, just amazing. What do you do with Carson 2021? If Jalen keeps playing like he played against the Saints or improves – and it seems like I have a hard time letting go of 2017 Carson, that MVP caliber, caliber Carson. I remember watching him against the Seahawks. I think that was a Monday night game that year. It was incredible. Or even the game against the Rams where he got hurt. Like I was, I was watching those games and I was watching him that year. And you know, that quote from, from the Hobbit movies where uh, what's that dwarf's name? Thorin, I think he's like, mm-hmm. The old, the old dwarf is talking about Thorin and how he like that battle, the flashback, and he's like, and that's the moment I knew that was a man that I could call king. And I was like, Carson's <laughs> having these games, and I was like, that's a man that I could call my franchise quarterback. And I hopped online, bought a Carson Wentz shirt. Like, I was on board. So I have one, I don't want to have to buy a new shirt. <laughs> Two, I have a hard time letting go of that. And those, yeah, just some very – just magical plays. But I think if you if somebody wants to give you a first-round pick for Carson Wentz and Jalen has a strong rest of the season that you get that first-round pick and Carson goes and plays for another team, I think having them both in training camp next year, despite the QB controversy, I think that competition is going to be good. And coaches, I think that if Jalen continues to have a good season, He'll have earned the right to be seriously considered in that competition. It's not – it will be a true competition, you know? Um, scenario number two, let's say he's just mediocre. What cool. Carson does Carson – do you keep Carson or <laughs> – Yeah, I think that if – so it seems like the, the 
from all these targeted things I get on Facebook that are Eagles articles from different places. It seems like there's a lot of interest from other, maybe not a lot of interest, but there's enough interest from other teams. And there was a GM off the record that I read today that said he thought there would be a lot of interest in Carson Wentz if he's on the trade market come the end of the season. And that um, at least this specific GM doesn't think there's a fatal flaw knowing Carson's game and that in the right situation, the right coaches, you know, he could get back to that level. And this was all qualified with, you know, I'm going to study more film, but this is my gut feeling right now. So if Jalen has a mediocre rest of the season, I think that I would like to see the Eagles be the ones to, to bring that back out of Carson. You know, I would, it would, really that's the worst case scenario I think for the Eagles is that Carson leaves Philadelphia and gets back to where he was even just last season you know if he goes say he does go to the the Colts or something right and Frank Reich brings him back to 2017 MVP level and then the Eagles are over here like well we just let that guy go you know (laughs) yeah I I think and this was scenario number three like Hertz is awful what do you do with Carson Probably keep him. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- I think that's the back of everyone's mind is if we get rid of Carson and it becomes twenty seventeen Carson, we're going to be like really mad. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, like how come we couldn't get that out of him? And then I think everyone's going to turn and look at Doug and be like, "You yeah. screwed this up. You couldn't figure him out once Frank left for three years." And other people can do it. You have to go. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And Nick Foles' success, that Super Bowl, that's Frank Reich too. You know, if it if it looks like if someone else brings Carson back and resurrects Carson, that you start to attribute these other things to Frank Reich more so than Doug. I think. Yeah, and then he's you know he's obviously a head coach, but he's going to really elevate into maybe one of the best quarterback coaches like uh, Bruce Arians is, what what they say about him. You know, he can take a quarterback and make him amazing. And if he can't, then that person shouldn't be in the league. Uh, um, Yeah, I think the best-case scenario for us, at least for maybe Carson's mental state and for him to maybe stay in Philadelphia, is Hurts is mediocre or worse. And then people will be like, all right, Hurts is not ready. We have a huge contract with Carson. Let's just let Carson go and see if he can get 2017. But if Hertz comes out and he's amazing, yeah, I think like you, I would, I would personally would like to see Carson back and then have them compete the next year because I wouldn't want to give it to Hertz, who's had four games in, you know, and basically some oh, yeah. of them were just us just like, all right, we got nothing to lose. Well, let's just do all types of crazy stuff and then expect that not to – affect them in the next year when we don't do that. Yeah, and I still agree with the original logic on why they drafted Jalen, which was Carson Wentz has an injury history, right? So you still, if the best case scenario for Carson happens, maybe this is his best case scenario, but his best case scenario (laughs) where he stays in Philadelphia, there's still that injury risk. So you still want a a high-quality backup quarterback. And I think that a lot of times these these young quarterbacks get thrown into the mix so soon. So I think that I mean, like Rogers played behind Favre for what three three years? I think. I think so. It was at least three. 
maybe four. But that I think that kind of development helps. You know, you're in the system, you learn the system, just getting thrown right into it. Like uh, Dwayne Haskins comes to mind. He's probably a guy <laughs> who, like, what's his career going to be now? I think he was thrown in too soon. I think they should have sat on that and tried to develop him more. I mean, I stopped paying attention to the situation in Miami with Tua and Fitzpatrick, but I think that's kind of another up in the air kind of situation. You know, Fitzpatrick was playing, I thought, quality football still, but they inserted Tua. I think it can be really beneficial to these younger players to just give them some more time to develop when the the pressure isn't as high and the lights aren't as bright, you know. Yeah, and football is constantly changing. It's getting more adaptive and I think becoming different than college. So, like, getting those extra years of paying attention and learning these weird schemes that everyone's doing now, it does help. But, of course, you're always going to have the rare people like Kyler that can come right in and be good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There are definitely – So that's why these young quarterbacks get rushed in there because everybody wants to have the guy that's ready. But if, yeah, if they – it's like if you, have the, if you have somebody who is one of those quarterbacks that can start day one and you start them, that's great. You don't start them, they're still going to develop and get better. They won't get better as fast because they're not getting that game time, but I don't think they're going to regress. Whereas you have one of these guys who isn't a day one starting quarterback and you put them in too early, I think that that can end people's careers or at least relegate them to, to journeyman backup quarterbacks. You know, They never have the time to really develop into what they could have been. Yeah, I wonder if Josh R- Rosen is like agreeing with you right now. But yeah, man, you guys gave up on me way too soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, the whole NFL is going to be talking about the Eagles at the end of the all season, unless Howie comes out or Jeffrey Lurie comes out and says we are keeping Carson or we are getting rid of him. And if they say nothing, they're going to constantly talk until draft day. Like, what are and they doing with Carson? It, and it's going to be such a a fine line to walk right between keeping Carson and Jalen both happy. You know, I mean, you have to play both sides right now if you're the Eagles organization. You need to, in your mind, act like either one is the franchise quarterback going forward. So you can't, even though Carson's benched right now, you still have to try and keep Carson happy. And at the same time, like, I think it's easier to keep Jalen happy. He's a rookie. If he did go back to a backup role next year, that's, I think, easier for him to swallow than for Carson to swallow. But yeah, I think that you not only have to keep those guys both happy, but you have to keep up this narrative that like Carson's going to stay with the franchise and that Carson is the guy next year, probably because you want him to have some trade value. You know what I mean? If it's obvious to the whole NFL that Jalen Hurts is going to start next year, I think Carson's trade value goes down. Yeah. And with Carson be like, all right, he just lost to a guy that's a rookie. And (laughs) yeah. yeah. And now he's no longer better than him. Of course, his trade value is going to go way down. I think you come out maybe at the end of the season or, hell, even come out now if you want and just say Carson's going to be the quarterback of the future and kind of leave it at that. Maybe I don't know if you answer any questions about Jalen. Like, yeah, he's he's a rookie. He's got to learn. 
I think the you know, I think the week to week approach that Doug has kind of taken is is the way to navigate it right now. You know, at the end, and then in, in every week, the rest of the season, unless unless Jalen just totally goes downhill hard, I think that you say that you're like, and even if that happens, I think you still say it. You just say, you know, it's a week to week. We'll evaluate on a week to week basis, kind of thing. You just keep punting that question downfield and then when the season ends you go well we're gonna evaluate all our options we're not naming a starting quarterback for next year we're when they drafted Jalen they said they were a quarterback factory so you just say we're a quarterback factory and we like to foster healthy competition within the organization you know you say a whole lot of nothing about what's going to happen I think you got to keep that kind of like that the, mystery up that's kind of like the Bears approach right now <laughs> <laughs> is that um but they got a lot of issues going on with them. But, yeah, um, Carson hopefully stays with us because I want to see at least one more chance, see if he can get it together now since he's got someone on his tail that's threatening for his position. And, and, and maybe even just seeing that, you know, like this team yeah. can win if I just don't lose the game. Like Jalen Hurts played well, but he also didn't lose the game. Whereas a lot of times Carson's turnovers are what lose the game, you know. So it's not like Carson has to play hero ball. He's just got to go out there and be good enough. Like he doesn't even need to be a Pro Bowl quarterback for the Eagles to win games. He's just got to be marginally above average or average. That's what uh, Alex Smith did in Kansas City with Andy Reid for the first couple of years. Is he wasn't yeah. going to lose you the game. He he wasn't going to like be a hero and get five touchdowns and you know put up crazy numbers but you knew what you were going to get, which is a good quarterback giving you good numbers and not going to lose a game. Yeah, and that's an AFC championship team. Yeah, and if Carson gets that mentality, I think he'll be fine. And hopefully, where Carson's at right now, obviously, I mean, Kansas City had a very good situation moving on from Alex Smith right into Pat Mahomes. But Carson just needs some some – not negative games to boost his confidence again and just kind of get in a rhythm. Like he, even within a game, very rarely had, has he been able to get in a rhythm. And part of that, yeah, part of that's drops. But a lot of that I think is him wanting to hit the home run every time or not going through his progressions like he should be. And he already has his mind made up before the snap where he's going to try to go with the ball, taking sacks instead of just throwing it away. A little stuff like that, that, I think you clean up and you'd be more of a game manager, but that I think is the first step to him getting back to, to a more dynamic place where he's this dual threat quarterback gets out of the pocket and does some of those things that he's done in years past. I think you gotta, you gotta start to walk again before you can run. Yeah. And it is year five and he's been hurt a lot. Um, but this, this year is pretty healthy. So hopefully this is not the norm and it's just, you know, his first year being healthy and then he'll improve for us, hopefully. Because he, as of right now, he's our quarterback. He's <laughs> on know, the roster. He's got $100 plus million. Dollars. Yeah, yeah, we're paying him. No matter what team he's on, we're paying him for two years. Yeah. So what's your predictions um, as we wrap this up? What's your predictions of the NFC East? Who's winning it? I... Anybody but the Cowboys or the Eagles. I don't want the Eagles to win it because I want us to get a good draft pick, and I don't want the Cowboys to win it for obvious reasons. <laughs> I kind of want to see 
Dallas win a few games just so we can be above them because last year we screwed up and they had one pick up before us. Yeah, yeah. And, and they totally screwed us on purpose. Yes. On purpose. Mike McCarthy and uh, uh, Jerry Jones, they're like, the, they come on the TV and instantly, right? Do you remember that? They're like high fiving and hugging like the second they were on the clock. Like, they were like, yes, we're taking C.D. Lamb from the Eagles. We don't even really want a wide receiver, but we're taking a wide receiver so the Eagles can't have him. And, like, I knew a few picks before then. I'm like, we got to do something. We need to jump ahead of of Dallas because if I was Dallas, I'd screw over, you know, the Eagles too. Yeah, and it's so hopefully like, we can do that this yeah, year to them. Like not necessarily a huge need for them, but CD Lamb is just a, a dynamic player. Yeah, and yeah, you you sent me uh, that photo, and it didn't have CD Lamb in it, but it was like who we who we get, and the people right after us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's really frustrating, you know, to see stuff like that when you can just move up slightly or just make a better decision. <laughs> yeah, and if the Rager, I'm still – I before Hurts got in the game, I was in the camp that Rager was kind of a bust. I was already writing him off, like, here we go. Again, Nelson Aguilar, 2.0. But Hurts has been able to get him the ball. He's been, I guess, healthier too. But this this season, for whatever, I feel like Carson has had trouble throwing the deep ball too. You know, add that to his list of issues and that Jalen – has been able to to hit him on some some deep passes, and I feel like since Hertz came in the game and they were able to establish the run a little bit more, which is probably partly because of his dual threat. Definitely, like the Sanders eighty-two yard touchdown run. You know, you're pulling out a defensive end and a linebacker, and everybody was analyzing that in slow motion replay about how Jalen Hurts being on the field was what really facilitated that, in addition to a couple nice blocks. But Rager's probably get some running plays in, too. You know, I think that the beginning of the year, pre, pre-Jalen, when Carson was still starting, they'd try and do these reverses or these sweeps with Jalen, and he'd get negative one yards, you know, run out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage. But this past week, there were a couple of those plays that were pretty effective. I think that you got at least one first down off one of those, I think, too. Yeah. Just ways to get him the ball in space. Yeah. Once you mentioned Nelson Aguilar, I looked up his stats because I remember seeing him do bat, um, do pretty good the last couple of day, weeks. He had 100 yards receiving <laughs> in the last week against the Colts. He's got seven touchdowns this year. Yeah, he's like, having a pretty solid season. Yeah, I feel like that's like half of wide wide receivers, all of them combined, their stats. <laughs> seven yeah, touchdowns. Yeah. Or like, you know? yeah. Yeah, I – we talked about this before off the podcast about how like in our lifetimes, the Eagles have had like one good receiver in the draft, right? Deshaun Jackson. That's about it. And then he was still at his peak. I think when Chip Kelly ran him out of town and just cut him from the roster. So that's what we've done to our best drafted wide receiver. I mean, the Eagles, my whole life have struggled with receiver, right? We had T.O. for a year. Who's that guy that we got? Deontay Stallworth. Was that his name? We had him for like a season. No. Dante Stallworth was on the Saints. I think we had Dante Stallworth for a season. Right. I think of somebody else. Let's look him up. 
Yeah, I'm personally hoping that the uh, the Washington football team wins the division just so I can hear them be talked about <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, we went from, you went from the Saints to the Eagles for one year. Yep. And yep. then we went to the, the Patriots. That was 06. Good memory. <laughs> yeah, our, our best wide receivers of my lifetime, the last 28 years almost at this point, are T.O. and probably Dante Stallworth and Deshaun Jackson, you know, and then a bunch of no-name guys. Who's, who's number four on that list? Like Jeremy Macklin? Yeah, I can't. Todd, so if Dante Stallworth, yeah, if Dante Stallworth is number two, that's sad. He only had 700 yards receiving. <laughs> he, did, he, he did not have a good season with us. No, I five touchdowns. It was a it was a big acquisition that was a total flop. Was that the the year that um, Vince Young was saying was the dream the dream year the dream team? <laughs> might have been. Might have been. <laughs> That was a, a rough, uh, a rough time in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now I'm all this looking up everything. Yeah, Vince, Lo- Vince Young. Oh no, he was still on the Tennessee Titans. Thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> that time I was like, "Dang, man, that's I'm getting old." <laughs> the dream season, the dream team. But, uh Brian Westbrook was on the team. Yeah, we've always had a decent amount of running backs, but yeah, we've had good good running backs. Do Staley to Avant? <laughs> yeah, Avant. Yep, there's a good one. Yeah, but um, thanks for joining again, Peter. Talking about Eagle Special Edition. It's been yeah. a while. Happy um, to be here. <laughs> now I'm thinking about that Freddie Mitchell catch against the Packers in the playoffs. What was that, like 4th and 26 or something? Do you remember that? That was, yep. I was Maybe talking he about should that jump up to number two. <laughs> it did. I keep saying Freddie Mitchell, but I'm like, he had he had two memorable catches, obviously. Yeah, that was about it. He was not, that's... <laughs> not a great player. He just has a couple of memorable plays like that. Yeah. Nobody outside like, of Philadelphia man. remembers his name. Maybe some people in Green Bay do, but that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, and his career wasn't amazing, but it was just like he had those great plays. <laughs> My dad was saying the other amazing play he had was, what was it? It was like the down of an ab standing back there for like 15 seconds, 14 point whatever seconds. And he was the one that caught the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but like those are two memorable plays, and of course he's in it. You know, he had – he ended his career with 90 receptions for 1,200 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. So not the best. Not great. <laughs> not great. Not going to Canton. <laughs> no, I'm looking at it right now. He literally played four seasons in Philadelphia. And that was it. <laughs> so his catch percentage was under 50% for three of those seasons. <laughs> yeah, I think – Perhaps aside from T.O. and Deshaun Jackson, the most notable thing about an Eagle Star receiver was that guy that was dating uh, Kendra. You remember that? From uh, I do. Hank the, Basket. The Playboy model? Yeah. Whoever, who was that? I forget. I think but. it was Hank Basket. Um. <laughs> yeah. Best accomplishment of an Eagles receiver outside of T.O. and Deshaun Jackson <laughs> right there. Yeah. Kendra Wilkinson in 09. <laughs> 
And then he went to he went to the Colts, and he was the reason why they didn't win that Super Bowl. He failed to recover the onside kick because it hit him in the hands, and that led to the Saints touchdown. And that kind of well, changed the complexion of the game. In Philadelphia, we know all about wide receivers getting hit in the hands with the ball and not catching it, huh? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, dude, man, you got me on a crazy look. It was ten to six at halftime. <laughs> Hang basket. I'm glad he left. He ruined <laughs> someone else's Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, thanks again, Peter. Um, again, um, for everyone listening, you can go to our website, thepodcastonEverything.com. We have all the information there of other apps we we're on. If you are on the website, awesome. Send an email if you want to be on or have an idea for a podcast. I am open to and and everything. It is called the podcast on everything, so I will do virtually anything. <laughs> yeah, careful. What you ask for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, thanks again, Peter. Yeah, thanks for having. Uh, me. Thanks for listening.